forward to preaching today as we continue on in this series, Christ in the Old Testament. And if nothing more, I have gotten a kick out of my titles. You know, it doesn't take much to get me excited, Jill. So I've just uh, been excited about my titles for the sermons. And today, uh, well, let me tell you, next week will be the last sermon in this series. And next week's sermon will be entitled Belly Flop. Belly Flop. And I can hear those kids at camp saying, Belly Flop. Belly Flop. Does anybody know what a belly flop is? Years ago, we used to try to avoid a belly flop off of the diving board. Now it is, it is very much in style to belly flop, and they even dare the cabin leaders to do such. I have not been brave enough. I pulled my knees up at the last minute. I just can't bring myself to do it out of principle and out of pain. I cannot bring myself to do it. But next week we'll look at King David, and we'll see the life. Uh, we'll see the mirror of Christ in his life. And the sermon will be belly flop. But today's sermon is this. And I think if the slides are working, we have a picture. Today's sermon is this. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Come on, somebody say amen to that this morning. So that's our sermon today. I thought about 1996. I don't know where some of you were in 1996, but in the summer of 1996, this Southwest Virginia boy you're looking at right here from the country, from the valley, went to something called Boys State, sponsored by the American Legion. And I went to Liberty University there in Lynchburg. And I remember meeting boys my age who were from all across the state. And I remember some of those boys saying to me, you have an accent. And I thought, I don't have an accent. You have an accent. What I have learned since is everybody has a sort of accent. I was from southwest Virginia, Tazewell County, and you might hear that accent come out in my speaking and talking even to this day. I don't know where I'm at in regards to my accent at 43 years old, but we tend to put a lot of emphasis on our eyes. Light and bright. I wasn't quite like that. I wasn't quite to where I said light and bright, but I was pretty close to that. And if you went another 30 minutes or hour from where I was at, you really got those emphasis on those. I don't know if it'd be a long eye or what it would be, but I still hear myself sometimes when I'm saying words that I instead of I, I, I. And, and so I know I do have. Not the light bright necessarily, but I have a little bit of an accent. But I have found when I moved to central Virginia, I have noticed in talking to folks at, at our first pastorate and even around here, there is a slight accent that is different. And some of it is, I don't know if it's around the O, I haven't quite figured it out, but a little bit of different accent that I pick up on that's in central Virginia and around here. And then when you get over into the tidewater and out on the coast, it's more profound and you pick up on some of that accent. My point is this, that every one of us are who we are. Well, that's so profound, Pastor Greg. It is so profound this morning. But every one of us are who we are. We are a product of where we were raised. We are a product of who raised us. We are a product of the circumstances of our rearing or of our raising. And so we are full of ourselves, if I could say it that way. 
Every single one of us are full of ourselves. But what I want to talk about today, both practically but more importantly spiritually, we are full of ourselves. We are who we are. But we can also be somebody beyond who we are in Christ. And we can be who we are in Christ. We can be who Christ calls us and wants us to be. Today we're going to look at Moses Moses, and my first point about Moses is this. Moses was pulled out of the water, but Moses could not stay out of trouble. I want to talk about this man, one of the heroes of the Jewish faith, one of the heroes of the faith in the New Testament. There's a great little passage you could read about him in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses. But the story of Moses started out when his Hebrew mother saw that there was something marked about this boy. There was something special about him. And indeed, he was called of God for a special purpose. It was during a time when they lived in captivity in Egypt. It was during a time when the Pharaoh said, I want to kill all of the Hebrew babies. And his mother, by faith, took him and put him in a little basket. We could almost call it, to tie it to a former sermon we preached, a little ark, if you will. She put him into a basket and put him into the river. And we see that Pharaoh's daughter, I don't know if she was fishing or what she was doing, but she was down at the river. And Pharaoh's daughter pulled Moses out of the water. His name reflects that That occurrence, that happening in his life. She pulled him out of the ark, out of that water, and she took him to the palace. It was very convenient. Moses' sister saw what had happened and and said, don't you need a nanny? Don't you need a babysitter? Don't you need a nurse? And, and so lo and behold, Moses' mother was hired to be his own nurse and, and take care of him and help raise him in the palace. But here we have a Hebrew boy, a Hebrew baby who is raised in all the finery and all the pomp and circumstance and all the riches and all the decorum and all the education of the royal Egyptian palace. Moses from a young age was brought up in all of that yet on the inside of him he was still a Hebrew. He was still one who was part of God's chosen people. Now, it is no doubt that his mother, as she nursed him, and as she rocked him, and as she loved him, and as she tucked him into bed, I'm talking about his biological Hebrew mother, no doubt she poured into him, listen, Moses, you are a Hebrew. There is something special about us. We are God's special people. Don't get too attached to the fineries and the riches and the influence of this palace. You are something beyond this, deep down on the inside. He was a Hebrew. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. He was one of God's chosen. There was a special calling on Moses' life. He was pulled out of the water, but he couldn't stay out of trouble. Let me talk about his trouble. One day, as Moses had grown up, he was out and he saw an Egyptian persecuting, tormenting one of his own, one of the... Hebrews. Now you got to understand, he's the grandson of the Pharaoh at this point. Moses is the step grandson, if you will, of the Pharaoh, but yet he sees one of his fellow Hebrews being mistreated, being persecuted by an Egyptian, and Moses can't stay out of trouble. He he loses his cool and he kills the Egyptian. 
I guess he was filled with holy indignation. Can I stop right here for just a moment and and pastor us a little bit here in this 2023? Can I pastor this morning? Not metal, but pastor. Can I say there's going to be a lot of things in this society that's going to get our goat? There's going to be a lot of things that upset us. There are going to be a lot of things that fire us up because on the inside we're children of the king. I mean, I could go down a laundry list of things right now and it, it, it elevates my blood pressure just thinking about some of the things that are happening in our society because I know that they're wrong and I know they're contrary to God's word and they're contrary to what God wants to happen. But I want to tell myself this morning, I'll pastor myself as I pastor you. What's on the inside of us that causes us to have those strong feelings and reactions cannot cause us to have unbiblical and unchristlike reactions and responses. Somebody say amen this morning. There is a way for us to express the truth. And that is in love. That is in tact. That is, how about this, being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's how we respond in this society where we live. But Moses blew it. Moses blew it. Yeah, he was a Hebrew down on the inside, but he was also a hothead down on the inside. He was a little bit justified because certainly he was upset about the right thing, but he handled it the wrong way and it cost him dearly. It cost him dearly. He killed the man. He buried the man in the sand. And then it came out. We saw you. We saw you. Something else happened a little later and somebody looked at it and said, you're going to kill us like you killed that other person? And Moses realized, "Uh uh-oh. And Moses fled to the backside of the desert, if you will. And it cost him 40 years of his life. He had good intentions. He knew what was right on the inside, but he blew it on the outside. A many good pastor has done that before. I've said, well... I almost did it there, didn't I? (laughs) A many good pastor have blown it because they were passionate about the right thing, but they said it and did it the wrong way. Moses found himself on the backside of the desert 40 years. But I want to tell us this morning, he was a Hebrew in the palace. He was God's chosen in the palace, but he was still God's chosen, and he was a Hebrew in the desert. And that speaks to you this morning. That speaks to me. When I find myself in the palace around the temptations around me or I'm in the glorious place, I am still a child of God. But when I find myself in the deserts of this life, I am still chosen and called of God. Even when I find myself in a situation of my own making. Because I have blown it, because I have sinned, because I have yielded to temptation, or because I've lost my anger, or because I handled things the wrong way. Even in those situations, and I find myself in a desert, I'm still his chosen, I'm still his child, and he still wants to redeem me and use me and call me back out of the desert, if you will. And sure enough, the next slide, God did call Moses back out of the desert. Moses was called out. But Moses needed help to get out. He was called out, but he needed help to get out. After about 40 years of spending time in the the desert, he, he learned some practical things there that would help him as he led God's people later on. God never wastes any season of our life. God's always pouring into us. He's always preparing us. Even when we're in a season that we caused by our own rebellion. 
But Moses was called out when one day a burning bush, a bush that was burning with fire, but yet it was not being consumed. It was a a godly fire. It was the very presence of God. And he said, take your shoes off. The ground on which you're standing is holy ground. And God began to speak to him and say, Moses, go back and lead my people out. Moses, remember who you are. Moses, remember who they are. More importantly, Moses, remember who I am. And that's who God said that he was. I am. Remember who I am is and always will be. And God called him out. But do you ever feel like sometimes God puts something on your heart? Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's just something that you're prompted to do. Or it's a good work or a good deed or whatever it is. Do you ever feel and then you think, I can't do that. Am I the only one that ever felt that way? Am I the only one that said, well, yeah, Lord, I feel that passion. I feel like maybe you're even leading me to do that, but that would never work out. I, I could never do that. I could, And that's what Moses went through right here. Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I don't speak well. Moses had a speech impediment, evidently, and he said, Lord, how am I going to go before Pharaoh? I can't even speak well. I can't pronounce my words well. I'm not very articulate. And God said, I'm going to put the right person in your life and they're going to help you. And I thank God that that's a picture for us as the church. That as the body of believers, even this local body right here, none of us can do it all on our own. But together we can accomplish great things for God. Together we can help each other live this life. I thank God that he puts godly mentors in our lives at the right time. People who will pour into us. I want to tell you, your pastor has mentors. One of my mentors that I watch very closely is is Pastor J. David Moses Allison. He's a great mentor. There's none finer than that man. Now, don't tell him I said that. His head will get all swelled up. (laughs) But I have other mentors that I, that I talk to and I seek advice from. But whatever you do for God, whatever you do in your life and in your vocation, ask God. He will send you mentors, people who have experience, people who have wisdom that can pour into you. If it's raising a family, if it's taking care of your new grandfather or grandmother, ask God, send me a mentor that can pour into me, that can speak into my life. God sent Moses and Aaron, and he said, Aaron will be your mouthpiece. I'll tell you what to say. You tell your brother Aaron, and he'll do the talking. He can speak well. God also sends helpers at the right time. If God's called us to do the task and we feel like we're we're struggling under it, he'll send an encouraging word at the right time. He'll send a helper at the right time. And that's what he did for Moses. But even greater than all that, even greater than all that, He was called out. He needs help to get out. I've talked about the practical, how God surrounds us and puts people in our lives to help us. And he's done that for me hundreds and thousands of times, I guess. But beyond any of that that people can do to help us, we can never forget that God can do the impossible in and through us. And sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I forget that. Can I just be be honest this morning? Sometimes I forget that. Sometimes, I know they're doing a book study right now, and I'm I'm so excited about that. I I saw the names of the people who signed up for that, and I just think it's awesome and fabulous. But their their book study is about praying bold prayers. I I read that book some time ago that Batterson wrote, and, and it's awesome, Circle Maker. 
But sometimes I forget that God wants to do what only God can do in and through my life. But this whole walk, this whole Christian experience is a walk of faith. It is an experience of faith. It is me coming to him first in faith saying, God, I cannot redeem myself. I cannot forgive myself. I can't take my sins away from myself. But I believe in faith you can do the impossible and you can save me. If God can and he does do the impossible to save me, he can do the impossible to keep me. He can do the impossible to work through me. And many times we don't pray bold enough prayers. And many times we forget that God can do the impossible in and through us. So God called him out and God helped him get out. We know the story. God sent down plagues. Moses could have never done that. Moses could have not done any of those 10 plagues, but God sent those supernaturally at the right time and it allowed Moses to get the job done and bring the people out. And many times when we get to the end of our resources, that's when God says, all right, I can get involved now and I can do what you can't do so I can get the glory and I can bless you and I can help you. Let's look at the final point here this morning. They got out And Moses received the law. Now, I'm painting in broad strokes this morning. Anybody watch Bob Ross? A painter when he paints. Nobody watches Bob Ross when he does painting. And he does a little smiley face. All right, I got to preach. I'm sorry. Get caught up in that. But I'm painting in broad strokes this morning. There's a lot to this story And I'm just giving kind of the the synopsis, the broad steps. You could go back and, and read. There's a lot in there and there's a lot of details. But we're just painting in broad strokes this morning, Bob and I. Moses received the law. He's led the people out. They, they are, they're in the wilderness. They're wandering. And, and, and at Mount Sinai, he goes up and he's in the presence of God. And he receives the law. He receives the Ten Commandments. And God gives him the law. And here's where I'm going with this as we start to see Christ in the Old Testament. Here's where that connection comes in more than any in this sermon today. He receives the law, the standard of living, the rules of the game, so to speak. How to be righteous, the expectations of God. But then he realizes very quickly that he and the people can't keep the law. In fact, they've already sinned and blown it by the time he gets down to the bottom of the, of the mountain. So much so, he throws it down and breaks them. That'd be a little embarrassing having to go back up the mountain and say, God, you know, I got angry and I, you know, that law that you gave me, I threw it down and broke the tablets. That'd be a little embarrassing. Little egg on his face right there, I would think. But he received the law, but they realized they couldn't keep the law. Look with me at Galatians 3, 24 and 25, please. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. Therefore, the law that Moses received was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer need or under a tutor. What I see there is the concept of a tutor. When I... 
would need a tutor, if I would need a tutor in math, or if I would need a tutor in social studies, or that tells me that I probably know some of the stuff I need to know, but I need someone to come along and show me what that means and how that connects together and what that really the bigger picture and the real solution of everything. And God in the Old Testament, he knew that he created mankind with a conscience. And so internally, we have a compass of some level, all of us do, innately, of right and wrong. Our conscience bears witness. That's scriptural. These people had a conscience. These people had some understanding of what it was to live right and to live wrong. But God gave the law to tutor them and say, here is the standard. Here is my standard, but nobody can really keep it. Now you're saying, Pastor Greg, you're depressing us at this point at a 9 o'clock service on a Sunday morning. You're telling us that God gave his righteous standard, but nobody could keep it. It was, it was a big, if I could say it this way, a big object lesson. Of the Old Testament. He gives the law and he shows the standard. But nobody can can really reach it. Nobody can really achieve it. And it's our tutor. It shows us where we're supposed to be. It shows us the righteousness of God. But it tutors us by pointing us. Get this. It points us to Christ. It points us to Christ. Moses received the law. But Moses could not keep the law. You and I know the law. We know the rules and the regulations. But in and of ourselves, we cannot keep those things. And if we were Old Testament people, we would really be struggling. But we're not Old Testament people. We live in the New Covenant, the New Testament people. So look with me, please, at John 1, 17. As we see Christ, a picture of Christ in this law that Moses received. And it's all over the Old Testament. This is just scratching the surface of this topic today. John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses. It's what I've been talking about. But here's the good news for us as New Testament believers. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. And in some ways, he explained it even deeper because he said, let me give you one example. He said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not murder But if you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. Jesus took the law and said, listen, folks, the law is pointing us to righteousness, but the whole intent of it is it's the intent of our heart. If I slander you, I murder you because I don't care enough about you. That's a little tough, isn't it? Let me me add another one that he talked about. He said, you have heard thou shall not commit adultery. And we think about adultery as hooking up with somebody else that's, that's not our spouse. But Jesus said, if you look on somebody in your heart to lust after them, you commit adultery. I had an old guy tell me one time when I was working in the grocery store, he was talking about that, and he said... Watching such and such and a little look, that never hurt anybody. And I thought, well, it's not what the Bible said. That's not what Jesus said. So Jesus took this law and he took it down to the heart of the matter. And he really elevated. But thanks be to God, he fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. And because he fulfilled it, he has extended to you and to me the ultimate truth. Yes, but the ultimate grace 
That's the good news this morning. That's what I'm trying to get across to us this morning. That we can be now, by his grace, regenerated. Our hearts can be changed by Jesus Christ's grace and truth. He can put his righteousness on our hearts. He can put his blood on our hearts. He can give us a new person on the inside. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are new. And then we have a desire that's greater than ever to live for him in truth and to keep his commandments. Somebody should say amen right there. Or at least a good Presbyterian nod. That was better than what you're giving me this morning. He gave us his grace. His grace. And now we can live for him. Now we can be saved. And now when we do fall, when we do mess up, we have his grace that goes along with the truth. And all of the law and all the hardness of the Old Testament was a tutor that was showing us how far we come short of everything. But over in the New Testament, we can say, Lord, put your righteousness on me. Give me your grace. Give me your truth. And if I have your grace, if I have your truth, I can live for you. I can serve you amen the law was our tutor that brought us closer to Christ I have a final quote that goes right along with that this morning the law was given to make us aware of our inability to keep the law so that when Christ came we would recognize our need for him and I need him today I need him today I could go all through the points of this sermon and express how I need him. I need him as I know who I am in him, as I live in this society around me like Moses did at the beginning of his life that's so different. I need him. I recognize my need for him. As I live this life and I try to to live out the calling on my life, as Moses tried to do and Aaron came and helped him, as I live out that calling, I recognize before you this morning, I need him But greater than all of that, for my sins to be washed away, for his righteousness to be imputed upon my heart, for my heart to be changed, and for his grace and truth to sustain me, I recognize I need him. If you need him, say amen this morning. Would you stand with me, please? I just ask you today, before we leave this house, would you just express to the Lord as an individual... I know we do this all the time, and, but it's just how I feel as a pastor. I like to do our, our response time and our altar times. I feel like that, that these times are between us and the Lord as individuals. And, and, and we need to search our hearts. We need to pray. We need to proclaim things to him. We need to let him speak to us from whatever the sermon has said or whatever his word has said or whatever the Holy Spirit is nudging us. But as an individual today, When we pray, and we're going to pray together, would you express to Christ your need for him? If you're in this house or you're watching online or or whatever, and the first first thing is you say, I've never given my heart and life to Christ. I've gone to church. My mom and dad have gone to church. I've heard these things. But you know, Pastor Greg, I've just never really given my heart to Jesus Christ. 
I've never asked him to come in and make a new creation out of me. I ask you today while we're praying, do that. Ask the Lord to forgive your sins and to come into your heart and let him make a new creation out of you. Recognize your need for him. Those of us that say, I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I recognize my need for him. I recognize that I live in compromised times and I live in tough times and and all the struggles that are around me and the temptations that are around me. And I just want to declare to him today in prayer, Lord, I need you. I recognize I need you. Or maybe the task that is at hand before you, maybe you're a caregiver or maybe the task at work or or maybe you feel the Lord's calling you to do something or or whatever it might be or the season of life that you're trying to adjust to or, or a health issue or whatever it might be. Moses needed his errand, but Moses needed the Lord to do the impossible and to help him. And so whatever it is you're dealing with, recognize your need for him and say, Lord, I need you. And here's why. Declare it out to him. Tell, tell him what it is and say, Lord, I need you. Can we just pray together this morning and ask him and recognize our need for him? Declare it to him, would you? Would you do that? Even, even verbalize it. It's good to, to say it out loud to him. Lord, I need you. I recognize my need for you. As an individual, Lord, we just thank you this morning. God, we thank you that grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you that you said we were all sinners, but we can all be saved through you. And and Lord, I recognize that one day you saved my soul, that you, you forgave my sins. You put your righteousness upon me. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I need you. And Lord, I need your grace because I fall short. I need your grace and your truth in my life. And Lord, I recognize that sometimes in my life the struggle is real. The temptations are real. The challenges, the burdens, the pressure is real. I recognize that sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get aggravated and sometimes I take on an attitude that I ought not take on and I recognize that I need you Lord in all the pressures of this life I need you and Lord I recognize that I've been called to do things for you and everybody in this building has been called to do things for you in this life and to serve you and to give and to serve and Lord we need you to help us in our callings We need you to give us courage to step out. We need you to give us the compassion when sometimes we get weary and well-doing. And Lord, we just need the consistency when we we think it's no use. I'm just going to give up. But God, we need you. We recognize this morning that we are a needy people and we need you. And Lord, I just pray that before each of us leave the house today, that the Holy Spirit would confirm in our hearts and our minds the reality of your abiding presence, the reality of your abiding truth and grace, the reality that you're with us and you're helping us, and that when we acknowledge our need, that you're more than able and more than ready and willing to help us. And let us leave encouraged knowing that you're with us. Let us leave encouraged knowing we live under the new covenant. We're not under the strain of the law that showed us how weak we we were, but we can live in the strength of your grace. So remind us of that today. Bless your people.